Taking up your cross, suffering and sacrificing have been superseded with name it and claim it. And as dark as I know it looks out there, the good news is that God is advancing his kingdom. And it's very exciting to be a part of his great commission. It's Sheila Zielinski. The Sheila Zielinski Show, the only show to give you the truth behind the headlines, prophecy, and the deeper things of God. Now... Here is your host, End Time Watchwoman, Sheila Zielinski. Hello listeners and welcome to this Tuesday, March 10th, 2015 edition of the Sheila Zielinski Show. I am your host, Sheila Zielinski. Folks, my guest today hits very close to home what he does. I'm going to tell you a brief story of why prison ministry is very important to my heart. First of all, I've never shared this on air. I've certainly shared it with very few people, but I wanted to just share from the heart today. So I grew up in a very dysfunctional alcoholic home. My mother was very unstable and my dad was a very violent drunk. I had some very traumatizing experiences throughout the course of my life, but particularly in the first 18 years of my life. My school counselor asked me, one time, she said, what is your first childhood memory? And the memory was, when I was four years old, my dad got in a violent rage, got in a fight at a dance, and I had two men's blood spattered across my beautiful little shiny white dress. And I recall eight cops pulling my drunken father off these guys and hauling him off in the back of a paddy wagon after billy clubbing him for a good while. And he... <laughs> My dad was a very mean drunk, and he was a big man, so you get the picture. I ran away when I was 16 years old, and I lived on the streets for the better part of a year. Here I was, a dumb 16-year-old kid from a small town who decided to run off to the city and make something of myself. Well, what I didn't realize is there's not a lot of job opportunities for a 16-year-old punk who didn't finish school, but I was going to conquer the world. Well... <laughs> Instead of doing that, a series of dumb choices led me to getting myself arrested for stealing clothes and food. I was supposed to go to a juvenile detention, but I refused to tell them how old I was for fear they would call my dad. So I lied about my age and I got thrown in a full-blown adult prison awaiting my court date. Well, as you can probably imagine, there were some pretty brutal women in the place where I was. I mouthed off to a few 
and I got a pretty good beating, and I was really having a tough time. My tough facade that I was putting on in there was starting to crack, and it didn't take me long to realize that it was no place for a small-town kid. I remember one night after a pretty good beating, because I couldn't seem to keep my mouth shut, which (laughs) has got me into trouble over the years, after a pretty good beating, I had a good shiner, both my eyes were closed, and a prison chaplain came up to me and he asked me if I knew Jesus, and I didn't, and he asked me if he could help me pray. And I also confessed during that conversation with him that I was too young to be in there and that I needed to be in a juvenile detention, not an adult prison. Anyway, we talked for a while and I said, yeah, you can pray with me. I want to pray that God gets me out of here. That's what I told him. I didn't know Jesus. I said to that man right there that night, if God gets me out of this place, I'm going to give my life to Jesus. So this man prayed with me. And two days later, the judge threw out my case on a technicality, since the prosecutor apparently lost my file. I got out, and I phoned to my dad, which was very hard for me to do, and he picked me up. On that 10-hour trip home that night, my dad told me that he could go to jail for the rest of his life. He explained to me that during a drunken brawl, he had hit one guy and another guy as a result of him hitting that guy. The other guy fell, he hit his head, and he died. It was the first time on that trip that I could even recall my dad telling me that he loved me. And that was something that was incredible for me personally, that my dad would tell me on that trip that he loved me. And no matter what happened, everything would be all right. And I can remember on that drive, my dad that day told me that he was quitting drinking for good. And I can tell you that I... (laughs) I shed a lot of tears on that trip. We both did. And I told my dad I was going to pray for him. Even though I didn't have a clue how to pray, I did pray for him that night. When we got back to my hometown, I went to my ex-employer, to the people where I worked, and I asked for my old waitressing job back. And they gave it back to me. And I had remembered the promise I made to God. I said, if you get me out of jail, I'd serve you. I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what this looks like. Maybe I should go to a church. I didn't know any church people, and I didn't have a clue where to go. So my first shift back, a couple left me a tip, and underneath the tip was a Bible track. And on my supper break in the back of a staff room, I read that track. I phoned the number on the back of a track. I'd never heard the good news up until then, but at 17 in the back of a restaurant after reading that track, I phoned the number on the back. A pastor and his wife came and met me after my shift. And that night I gave my heart to the Lord. That week I got baptized in water and then filled with the Holy Ghost and started going to their church. My dad got charged with accidental manslaughter. I had prayed that he wouldn't serve a day in jail. He never did serve a day in jail, but he never drank a drop of whiskey from that day forward. And that was another prayer. So you could say God answered four prayers in 48 hours. It was a pretty incredible time in my life. And I tell you, it was all because of that prison chaplain. So it's a pleasure for me to bring you my guest, Mel Novak. Mel is a prison chaplain. He is a native of Pittsburgh. He was an outstanding athlete in several sports. He passed up 60 football scholarship offers and signed a pro baseball contract with the Pirates. His career was cut short by a massive rotator cuff injury, but he starred in 25 Hollywood movies and he did all his own fight scenes and stunts. He shot and fought Bruce Lee to the death in Game of Death. 
He beat up Steve McQueen, he dueled Yul Brenner, and he battled Chuck Norris in an eye for an eye. But he fights hardest in the Lord's army. He is a dedicated soldier for Christ, an ordained minister called by God to share the good news of Jesus Christ and salvation to the homeless on Skid Row and in prisons. For the past 30 years, he's been faithfully ministering on the streets of L.A., in chapel services at missions across America, and has ministered in penitentiaries from San Quentin to Pelican Bay in California and all around the USA. And it is my privilege to welcome him on the program. Mel Novak, welcome. It is such a pleasure to have you on today. Oh, thank you so much. It's always a blessing for me to share anything that I do for the Lord and give him the honor, worship, and glory. And it's amazing what he has done in my life. I've been in some of the worst penitentiaries in the country. And funny thing is, a lot of times they showed movies that I did, and it drew countless numbers. And I don't talk about movies when I'm when I preaching. I preach Christ crucified, which I'm commanded to do. And it's still amazing to me. There's over 100,000 people that Pray to salvation prayer, to sinner's prayer. And John 6.44, it's the Holy Spirit who draws them. And, of course, Skid Row. We have, I think, us in New York, Los Angeles, New York, has the worst Skid Rows in, in the world. And uh, it just tugs at your heart. But there's still some that really are serious about the Lord, and they get they get out of Skid Row. You have drugs. You have alcohol. you got pimps. you got everything imaginable. Violence. We just had a, a man got shot by the police, and there's a whole big hellabaloo over it. The devil's busy. He has no authority or power. But I'm going to tell you, where I go is where he hangs out, prisons and skid row. And my ministry is behind enemy lines. And even when I'm working on a movie, in fact, I did a co-starring role in Samurai Cop Deadly Vengeance. I didn't miss one service. It worked around my schedule. I'm working out right now. Tomorrow, I got a bunch of big scenes and runaway killer. I have no ministry tomorrow. Had it last Monday. The day after I'm doing all those scenes for the movie, I'm preaching at Skid Row on Tuesdays. So it's, uh, it's just an awesome thing to be used by God in these dark days that are the end times are spiraling. We really are rockets sledding into the end times. And you often played a villain. Speaking of <laughs> hitmen, psycho, and killers, you're very familiar with how the devil kills, steals, and destroys. And being a skid row prison preacher, you certainly, Mel, would have an amazing insight into how the devil can completely destroy lives. It, it's just amazing how, how subtle. But I did a sermon Wednesday at the Fred Jordan Mission on Mark's wounds and scars. People don't realize that the mind is the devil's playground. And Second Corinthians 10.5, casting down every thought, every imagination that exalts itself against the high knowledge of God, bringing it to captivity, to the obedience of Jesus Christ. Every thought, every thought. You see, Sheila, you know and I know the scars of the past is eating people up. I use Isaiah 43, 18 and 19 in every sermon I do. Remember not the former things, God says, nor consider them. Don't even go there. For I, the Lord thy God, behold, when he says, I love behold, I will do a new thing. And the mind, again, is the devil's playground. And scars are evidence of the price we pay for living. Uh, and even as a believer, Psalm 34, 19, I let people know, you come to Jesus, you know, it's a war. Second Corinthians 10, 3, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. 
But Psalm 34 and 19 says, many are the afflictions that are righteous, but the Lord delivers out of them all. Doesn't say when. I use Luke 18, 1 in every sermon. Don't give up. Keep on praying. Second Corinthians 4, 16. Don't lose heart. Keep on praying. Discouragement is the devil's most worn out tool, but it's very destructive. And people need to be encouraged because God's on the throne. He's a God of healing, wholeness, restoration, deliverance. But we're in a war. And on my website, melnovak.com, M-E-L-N-O-V-A-K.com, go to the warfare section, download that arsenal prayer, which addresses you for the battle against the devil with all scriptural. It's all scriptural. And it's amazing when you have that whole armor on every day, your spiritual armor, which is a command in Ephesians 6, 11. And verse 16 says, if you don't have, if your shield's not up, above all, put on your shield of faith. Your shield is down. You're going to get hit spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically, psychologically, financially, morally, socially, in a relationship, ministry, our walk, marriages, every way imaginable. Paul tells us three times in Ephesians 6, 10 through 17 that we're to stand, defend that territory Jesus won for us at the cross of Calvary to Satan stealing, trying to steal, has no rights to steal. But we need to understand the war is different. Like I tell those gangbangers, you know, you can't duke it out, shoot it out, knife it out with the devil, but we got power in the name of Jesus. You are dealing with some incredibly hardened men. You deal with men who have eight life consecutive sentences. There are some dire circumstances of the men. You're not just preaching in some little nice cotton candy church where everybody's dressed in Armani. You are going into a place with very hardened men that are facing the electric chair, I mean, really dire circumstances, and yet God can perform the impossible. In Mark yes. eleven twenty three, we see, I mean, too many Christians have unbelief, fear, doubt. They don't have faith, do they? No. Faith is F-A-I-T-H. Forsaking all, I trust him. The devil's number one tool is fear. Second Timothy 1, 7, we don't serve a God of fear. We've got a love upon a sound mind. His number two tool is doubt. If you doubt, there's a lot of people listening now. The Holy Spirit said that they're a candidate for a miracle. Malachi 3, 6, I'm the Lord thy God, I change not. He hasn't changed. Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, ever. He hasn't changed. But if you doubt, one little inkling of doubt, you're short-circuiting God's promises, which in 2 Corinthians 1, 20, yes and amen. Doubt is a killer to faith. Doubt that least unbelief. And God hates unbelief because that's calling God a liar. God can't lie, break a promise or a covenant. Hebrews 6, 18, Numbers 23, 19, Titus 1, 2. That's impossible. The devil's the liar, John 8, 44. Jesus called him that. And people need to sit back and look. Where, where am I getting hit? Well, the mind, heart, and emotions is where the devil strikes. Places I go, walking wounded, Sheila. Uh, and Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted, Isaiah 61, 1, 2, 2, and 3. And I always give them in the prisons, Psalm 147, 3. God, it says, I will heal the brokenhearted and bind up their wounds. In Jeremiah 30, verse 17, I will restore health to you and heal your few wounds. Well, you who are listening, where are your wounds coming from? Who caused them? Have you forgiven them? Have you forgiven yourself? Do you want to be healed? In John chapter 5, he asked a strange question to a paralytic of 38 years. Do you want to be healed? I see people on Skid Row. I've known 
10, 15, 20, 25 years. They didn't want to be healed. And I asked people, well, who are you handcuffed to? Because if you're not handcuffed to Jesus, you're handcuffed to Satan. Well, and you said healing. I mean, we need to allow God to be absolutely number one in our heart. Our heart and flesh cry out, crying out to God for healing. And Jesus tests the heart. And people need to understand that it's first important to understand to seek me with all your heart, the word says. We purify our hearts by faith, don't we? So we need to examine our hearts. Yeah, you will. Yeah, in Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, I always encourage him. God says, "I know the thoughts and plans I have towards you. Thoughts of peace, not of evil, give you future and hope." But verse thirteen, you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I give those, you know, inmates all those scriptures about the heart. Where's your heart? Because you got a lot of hardened hearts. You got a lot of hate. You got you got uh, politics in those prisons. You got gangs. You got probably two hundred fifty to three hundred thousand dollars worth of drugs inside. You got violence, and up at Pelican Bay, I'll be going there for the tenth time in uh, September. It's the worst penitentiary in the country, and mostly lifers. And when I had that prostate cancer, I wouldn't do what the doctors wanted to do because I heard the Lord say, "Just trust me, Mel," and that was the key. And I had inmates who were lifers who prayed for me every day. And when a chaplain told them I was healed, they raised their hands in praise and worship. You see. People don't spend time in a word. You need to spend time in a word. There's thousands of promises for the believer, one for the unsaved, the promise of salvation. And un- until somebody says, okay, I just I surrender everything. I had an inmate say, what about if I give God 90% and I keep 10? I says, no. It <laughs> uh, yeah. doesn't work like that, does it? It's like one one inmate at this Donovan Penitentiary. I've been going there 21 years down by the Mexican border, level three max of security. Yo, bro, where you been? I haven't seen you here. And he mumbled. I said, don't mumble. Where were you? In the hole. What were you in the hole for? Dealing drugs. Oh, was Jesus your middleman? See, Hebrews 13, 5, when you receive Christ in your heart, the Lord and Savior, you're never alone. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Matthew 28, 20, Lord, I'll be with you always. So I said, that was... That was a brutal witness out in the yard. Well, let's go get some drug from the Christian. Well, I straightened him out because God gives me favor, and I could be tough on some of these people because they know I don't fear them. Psalm 27, 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my light. What shall I be afraid? Nothing or nobody. But we need to get into that word. We need to start standing. We need to start increasing our prayer Praying in expectation, Psalm 62, 5. We need to start increasing our praise time. Well, Brother Mel, I just got 90 years. Why would I praise God? Well, you should have been dead out there on the street. How many times you got shot? This one guy down in this penitentiary, he got shot five times in his head. And I said, you need to praise the Lord 50 times more. Well, I think the thing is, Mel, that we don't want to long suffer when every day is a Friday. That's coming out of the pulpits across America. But I'll tell you what, the bloods and the crypts are no match for Jesus, are they? No, 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 no. I've dealt with the worst, the Mexican mafia, all those people. And when I start giving them the word to tell them God hates sin, but he sure he loves you. And forgiveness is the key to healing. You need to learn to cry out. 
Psalm 30, verse 2, Lord my God, I cried out to you, you healed me. Psalm 34, 6, this poor man cried out, God heard him and saved him out of his trouble. Verse 15, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, his ears are open to their cries. And verse 17, the righteous cried, God hears him, delivered him out of all their troubles. Doesn't say when. We cannot give up, but we've got to increase prayer time at praise time. Praise evicts the forces of darkness. Praise will dispel doubt, the biggest killer of faith. Praise will bring healing, spiritual, mentally, and emotionally. Listen, I should have died six times in my life, and I never, ever did drugs or alcohol. Had nothing to do with that. I've had 27 surgeries. I was crippled for five years from when they butchered me when, from my pro baseball injury. That was really brutal, Sheila. I, I was a, I was just turned 19, and I'm a cripple. And my, all my career is gone. But God had a plan. He has a plan of purpose. And my mother used to cry and say, Mel, honey, God got something better. I don't want to hear it, but she was right. I've been to the Academy Awards seven times. I've done uh, all these movies. Now it's 27, starring, co-starring, uh, modeled, played pro ball. All these things pale compared to ministering in Skid Row in prison. And God gives me favor. These people on Skid Row love me. I'm down there constantly. I'm not. I'm not there, you know, for Thanksgiving or Christmas feeding where cameras are rolling. Then you'll see some celebrities there, and uh, they call me the mayor of Skid Row. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's good, but it's not if something's going to happen to you. It's when and how hard you're going to get hit. And those marks, wounds, and scars. I got scars all over my body. God doesn't care about those. I have marks. You know, I had a wife walk out of a marriage. I raised my two daughters. Well, that's a mark. I didn't ask for it, but God still used for good what the devil meant for evil. Matthew, you know, in Romans 8, 8, 28, because I got the most incredible relationship with my daughters. I was there. Wounds. You have people carrying wounds everywhere, everywhere. And I always encourage them. Always remember, God works at the night shift. He doesn't rest. And acts of God will perform when we're sleeping. And he always goes before us, Deuteronomy 31, 6. Don't be afraid, Mel. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He's behind me. When I go into those penitentiaries, I have my whole armor on. I'm in camp with angels, Psalm 34, 7, Psalm 91, 11, and 12. And I also ask God, Isaiah 52, 12, 58, 8, says the glory of God is my rear guard. So I got to protect it behind me. And you know, God's not going to ask us about our history. We, we, we all fall short. But the thing he doesn't want us to live in, the past, that's the devil's trap, living in the past. We cannot change the past. Yesterday is gone, never to return. And, and every every sermon, tomorrow's not promised. Proverbs 27.1, don't boast about tomorrow. We don't know what a day brings. Today's the day of salvation, Second Corinthians 6.2. And you have multitudes who never forgave themselves. The devil plays the tape where, where we screwed up in the past, but yet when we confess and repent, and without repentance there's no salvation, uh, <laughs> once we do that, God doesn't remember them anymore. Isaiah 43, 21, Jeremiah 31, 34b, I will forget your iniquities, I will put them behind me, I will remember your sins no more. But the devil keeps playing that tape. And I tell you, everybody I've ever met ministers has has had scars, marks, and wounds. And I know God, he just delights to use us who have who've had them in our lives. 
Absolutely. And, well, so many know, people, Mel, are are they're, they're just shattered and they're broken, and yes. you know we really have to zero on in on Jesus. I mean, it's really time to get desperate for his touch because we've got the richest pastors in the world and the nicest buildings yet we have people in those pews their lives are in shambles exactly sheila you you hit you hit it right on the nose and people have to run to the lord in inner healing that's the healing of the inner man the mind heart and emotions that's the painful memories and dreams this is where satan hits us brings us in the past i mean i i counsel and and it's a constant but it's a process through prayer that when we're set free from our feelings. Now, here we got resentment. Resentment's the fuel of pride. Rejection and banner betrayal. I see that all the time. Anger, self-pity. And then I do a sermon called the Deadly D's, Sheila. If you don't have your spiritual arm on, your shield is down. There's a fiery dart, arrow, spear of disappointment, discouragement, doubt, discontent. Despair, despondency, disillusionment, demoralization, dejection, depression. Depression's real, but it comes from the devil. And that's when they hear that voice, that suicide voice. You know, I remember Robin Williams was such a nice man, but he heard those voices for years. And, and in Hollywood, they didn't want to hear about that these are demons. Yeah, here's a prescription of Prozac, Robin. Well, see, all those things, uh, you get addicted. There was a gal who used to do praise and worship for me at, at the missions and she moved back east and one day the Lord said call her I said I, I just called her I said I just want you to know I, I still got you in my daily prayer list she got addicted to Percocet and Oxycontin uh, almost died and was in rehab this is an older lady wow. and you got like four or five million people in our country addicted to prescription medication some of the things that people are on are the serotonin uptake inhibitors. These are the ones that cause people to have complete psychotic episodes. You know, it's funny. Last night I was watching Gunsmoke on TV. <laughs> Sheriff Matt Dillon. I love that show. And it was really funny because an ad came on. And Mel, they must have spent 16 minutes running through the various, well, you know, if your tongue swells, if your throat swells, if you have dizziness, tingling, heart palpitation. I mean, it went on and on. And I thought, like, who is out of their mind enough to even take this stuff that causes more side effects than the original yeah. problem that you have? Exactly. Four years ago, doing a fight in a movie, I hit the concrete seven times and there's a disc that jammed over two inches and the doctor says, oh, we could put six screws and two rods. I said, three chances, none, none, and none. Nice to meet you. God bless you. And I left. Now, they wanted to give me morphine patches. I said, are you out of your mind? I never did drugs in my life. You give me morphine? Then Oxycontin, no, 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 no. Well, Vicodin, I said, you know what? I'm going to eat the pain, and I do. I will mm-hmm. not take anything. And uh, I do a lot of driving for the ministry. And I know I've had so many miracles. If anybody looks at my testimony on my website, you could see God is a God of miracles. Nothing's impossible, Luke one thirty seven. Nothing's too hard for him. There are some people listening who have cancer. The name of Jesus is above cancer. Philippians Amen. two nine, Ephesians one twenty two twenty three. And I want you to pray Matthew fifteen, thirteen every day. What God has not planted, he will uproot. He doesn't plant that, the devil does. But you've got to believe, you gotta trust. He says, nothing's too hard for me. Jeremiah 32, 17 and 27. He doesn't show partiality or favoritism. Romans 2, 11, Acts 10, 34. And, and the beauty is God builds on ruins. He's a God of the second chance. He's involved with every aspect of your life. 
but you got to totally give everything up to him and watch what he will do. It is amazing. The miracle, you know, Jesus took our infirmities on a cross, Matthew 8, 17. And by his stripes, we are healed. First Peter 2, 24, Isaiah 53, 5. And the question is, do you believe? The incredible story of the centurion. I mean, one of the things that he said to Jesus uh, caused Jesus to stop and say, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. And what he said was, (laughs) you just say the word. And so he not only understood authority, being a centurion, being in charge of military people underneath him, but he could just say the word and he knew it was done. And it's so incredible that if you go on and Jesus says, why couldn't you heal this boy? And they said, well, you know, we tried, but we obviously couldn't do it. And they lacked faith. Jesus just got done saying to them, Oh, ye of little faith. And yet people out there say, Mel, oh, but all we need is a little bit of faith. That is not what the scripture no. said. No. It says as a mustard seed, not as small as a mustard seed. Yeah. The qualities of a mustard seed, a little tiny seed can grow a massive crop. It's the tiniest seed, but it really produces. So people really get that faith thing mixed up, don't they? They sure do. Now, everybody has a measure of faith, Romans twelve three. Nobody can say they don't have faith. But Luke 17, 5, we're to increase our faith. Well, there was a couple of inmates up at Susanville Penitentiary said to me, we watched you. How, how did your faith get so strong? I said, through adversity. I mean, I, I've, I've gone through a lot of stuff in my life, but I got better. I didn't get bitter. See, bitterness is a poison, Acts 8.23, poisoned by bitterness, bound by iniquity. But faith has to be rock, like we're on a rock of Jesus. You can't have quicksands faith. But we gotta, we got to just pray, and you pray some more. Then you pray praising. Then you pray in expectation, Psalm 62.5, believing. I'm telling you, one of the biggest things I do in my life, I've done it for a long time, I keep praising. Psalm 18.3, God alone is worthy of praise. Psalm 50, verse 23, is God's will that we praise him. Psalm 34, 1, that prayer should be continuous. That's how we enter God's throne room in Psalm 100, verse 4. Praise, worship, and thanksgiving. But it's in faith. I should have been dead a long time ago. Should have. Had I not trusted in faith. See, that's the whole key. Am I going to trust him? When my PSA went up to 34, if your PSA is in a man in his prostate, goes past three, you're in trouble. Ten, you're in a world of trouble. Twenty, well, mine was a 34. The daughters are crying. No, the Lord said, trust me, and my faith is in what he said, not what the doctors and everybody else said. It never metastasized. Would have gone into the bone. Mel was a dead man walking. But we're all really dead men walking, really, and God plus one's a majority. And I think, you know, people, what they do, you just alluded to your mess became your message. And instead of taking your trials, people get bitter, Mel. They get discouraged. They get they get impatient. And those are all evil cousins to unforgiveness because bitterness, resentment, discouragement is all really rooted in unforgiveness. And I deal with so many people that have such problems of unforgiveness. And that's yeah. a huge one, isn't it? That's the key because, uh, you know, when we're... In bitterness, buried inside bitterness is unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is a prison, biggest prison in the world. And Matthew six fourteen and 15 and Mark eleven twenty five and 26, when you pray, you feel unforgiveness in your heart. God never will forgive you. It's a barrier between God and your prayer, a barrier. And it's an act of our will and obedience to God. And listen, I was guilty of that. It took me three years to forgive the lady who 
who bailed out on her, on her marriage. But then I asked God, help my heart catch up to my mouth. And he did. But forgiveness is the key to healing. And I, I always give, uh, like on Facebook, when someone has something, I give them Psalm 107.20. God sent his word and healed them. But if there's unforgiveness in somebody's heart when they want me to pray and lay hands on or anoint them with oil, I tell them, well, where there's unforgiveness, it's not going to work. You know, what is the first thing Jesus said on the cross? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Those are sins of ignorance. But if I or anybody else refuses to forgive, it's pride, rebellion, and disobedience. And God hates pride. James 4, 6, 1 Peter 5, 5. It's like the, those three words. It's hard for people to say because they have all this pride. I am sorry. Well, all you got to do is open your heart. It, it's not something that, you, you know, you can't give lip service. God doesn't like lip service. Isaiah twenty nine thirteen. My people give me lip service. Their heart is far from me. And when you're praying, let me encourage you. If nothing's happening, it doesn't mean he's not working because we're tested all the time. Revelation 2.23, Jesus says, I am he who searches the mind and tests the heart. So faith must keep you praying, believing, and trusting. Lack of faith, well, not a good thing. How many times did Jesus say to the, the disciples, oh, you have little faith, why do you doubt? That's the killer. That's the killer to faith. If, if I would have doubted in, in, in my walk all these years, I'd have been promoted and gone to heaven, but God had more work for me to do. God desires our obedience, and we yep. we have a job to do. God is looking for his special forces to do battle with them, and now is the appointed time. Not next week, not tomorrow, not maybe next month, maybe next year, because tomorrow, as you said earlier, tomorrow's not promised. Today is. We don't know what a day brings, but as That's you right. said, today's the day of salvation. Too many people, Mel, say, I'll get around to it. We don't know no. what's going to happen tomorrow. I saw a guy get stabbed to death in a, in a prison, and uh, he could have came, he could have come to Christ when I did the service. And I asked him, "How come you didn't you didn't do that?" I'm cool. Well, 60 feet later, he was stabbed mm. probably 16, 17 times. Turned around, can I? Collapse died. See, First Samuel 15:22. God desires obedience rather than sacrifice, and with obedience, our needs are God's opportunities for lessons. In obedience, obedience will require us to do something in, in practical, something unreasonable, like in in First Kings five that that guy who he was second to the king, but he had leprosy. Well, the prophet sent a flunky out. Go over in that river, dipped seven times. That was the filthiest river there. You could picture him with a suede outfit. I ain't going to do that. Soldier says, "Well, if he told you to go fight an army, you would have done it." Now. One time, two times, three times, he's probably cursing every seventh time he comes up, he's clear of leprosy. Now that sounded impractical. And failure to obey God may cost somebody exactly what they desire. And also right counsel encourages obedience. Uh, that's one thing God blessed me with. I, I, I encourage people in the worst circumstance conditions that they could imagine. And we need to encourage, edify, and uplift. And that's what you do. You, you do that wonderfully. The rewards of obedience will strengthen our faith and the faith of others as they're watching. So it, it's crucial. 
faith has to be increased. It can only be done through obedience and serving. It's like how many people are serving? We're all called to serve. Matthew twenty twenty eight, Mark ten forty five. Someone says, "Well, I'm not called to go to Skid Row prison." I'm not saying that, but you can get a pencil and paper and write down some names and pray every day. Intercessory prayer ministry is wonderful. Like you said, well, next time. Next time is not promised. I, I've seen people die, and it's too late. You're going to have millions who would have, could have, should have come to Christ and didn't. Too late, Gate. I, I went round and round. This Muslim said to me in, in L.A. County Jail, worst jail in the country, past Cool County, Chicago, like a jet two years, three years ago. You're telling me if I don't have Jesus, I'm going to go to hell? Said, yeah, you're going to burn, bro. I just gave 12 scriptures to show you what you need to do so you'll be held accountable. But you're going to meet Jesus at the great white throne judgment, Revelation 20, 11 through 15. And verse 15 says, if your name is not written in the book of life, you'll spend eternity in the lake of fire. You won't be able to talk there. And it'll be too late, Gay. Well, you know, it's incredible because I always say, and I ask people a lot this, what are you doing tonight when you look at your life? What are you doing for the Lord? Are you focused on, you know, your bank accounts, your 401ks, your, you know, stockpiling things, a nicer house, a better car? I mean, what are you doing for the Lord? And I think Jesus is really working out something with his servants here. I mean, he entrusts people with his talents. Each one of them alike had doubled his share for the kingdom of God when Jesus was rewarding them for their efforts. Only one of them had hidden his entrusted goods and didn't do anything with it. And Looking at the parable about the kingdom, when you really think about a lot of people, Mel, are making the big bucks, they're focused on storing up all these things, but how can they think that worldly goods will ever satisfy? They don't. People think they do. I mean, I know I know an actor. I'm not going to say the name. Everybody would know the name. Brilliant actor, got tons of money. He'll never be able to spend it all. Lives in a big mansion. And... Uh, He's an alcoholic, a drug addict, and he's suicidal. But then after this happened to Robin Williams, I told him, well, you commit suicide, you're going to be in Hades, Luke 16, 19 through 31. And I told him about that. There's no water down there, no booze, no nothing. And then you're going to stand at the great white throne judgment and spend eternity in a lake of fire. Well, he's scared of commit suicide now, so at least I helped him there. But he wants the peace that I have, but he doesn't want the prince of peace that comes with it. People think, it's even in prison, Sheila. They come up to me. This this one inmate came up. He had like four front teeth missing. He had a big smile. How could I be a movie star? Well, brother, the first thing you got to do is get out of here. But why do you want to be a movie star? Why not just be an actor? I want success and prosperity. Well, Joshua 1.8 covers that. Follow his statues day and night and seek him and, and do all these things that we're called to do. Then success and prosperity will follow. But success in God's eyes is different than the world. Absolutely. that You just nailed it. Success in God's eyes is very different because too many people, Mel, are trying to climb the ladder to success only to get to the top and realizing their ladder is leaning on the wrong wall, isn't it? The emptiness, the void. It's like an ocean. I've talked to people and you know, when I'm working on a movie, you know, I got I, I give the arsenal prayer to everybody. Uh, I give Bibles. I've given probably a quarter million Bibles since I started. I've given over 1,800 prayer reading glasses because I used to give Bibles out and they'd say, well, thank you, Brother Mel, but you know, my eyes are bad. Now I go, just a minute. What do you want? 152, 250? Now you have no excuse. But there's nothing in the world that can fill the void 
like our Lord, like God's promises, the peace and joy and hope. See, joy is the first thing the devil is going to rob from anybody. Nehemiah 8.10, the joy of the Lord is the strength of my life. We need to understand, yeah, I'm going to go through some hard times. I've already gone. But he's in it with me. When I was told by that doctor, he says, Mel, you have prostate cancer. I went, wow. And two seconds later, I says, well, praise the Lord. He said, excuse me. First Thessalonians 5.18 said, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. In everything. Not, you know, no, I wasn't praising him for the cancer. No, but I'm praising him because he's battling for me. Second Chronicles 20.15, First Samuel 17.47, God says, the battle's mine, Mel. I believe that. My faith knows that. And I trust that. Exodus 14.14, 14, to every Christian, keep your peace, I'll fight your battle. But Sheila, you wouldn't believe the high percentage of Christians eaten up with anxiety. When you have anxiety, it's impossible to have peace. Absolutely. And sadly, most of the mega churches in the West are, they're not even being taught the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ from the pulpits. Godly power and authority, as we witnessed back in the early church, by mighty true men of God who stood for yes. God, even facing death, has been eroded and replaced with the doctrine of devils and seducing spirits that focus on, you mentioned it earlier, prosperity. The man that came to you and said, I want to have prosperity. They teach prosperity, abundance, and yeah. tolerance. The great I am that I am, El Shaddai Mel, has been replaced with a skybound, wish-granting bellhop bestowing cash and cars on his followers. I mean, the church has been invited to sit down at the table and split hairs with the world, the flesh, and the devil. Well, we're commanded to preach Christ crucified with the good news of Jesus Christ's salvation. I was in Arizona. A friend of mine had me preach at a at a church there. When I go preach at a church, it's like going on a picnic. Lemonade, chicken, you know, like so great. Nobody has a knife in there. There's no fights and riots. And you get you get a love offering because Skid Row Prison Minister, there's no, there's no pay. And I was on the street ministering and this big limo stops and I'm not going to give a name, but this very high-powered pastor, they probably get 10 million a year down there. He came out and shook my hand violently. I know about you, Mel Novak. Praise the Lord, he got you where he got you preaching. You would get me caught dead there. He could have gave me $5,000 like you give me a pack of gum. I says, yeah, you know what? I'm glad I'm there too, rather than you. We have to preach what we're told. Christ crucified. To encourage, edify, and uplift. In every sermon, Second Peter 3, 9, 1 Timothy 2, 4, nobody's turned away from the cross. God wants all to repent. Joel 2.32, Romans 10.13, Acts 2.21. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. Acts 16.31, whoever believes on the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. Even as a believer, if I'm backslidden, God gave every believer, 1 John 1, 9. That's only for believers. You confess that sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you that sin, cleanse you of all unrighteousness. It's all there. Jesus paid the tab, but yet you got over five and a half billion who reject Jesus Christ because you got a spirit of Antichrist, 1 John 4, 3. You got a deaf and dumb spirit, Mark 9, 25 and 26, and a blind spirit, 2 Corinthians 4, 4. Scales on the eyes, wax in the ears. Then that ugly demon spirit in 1 Timothy 4, 1 and 2, that lying, seducing, deceiving spirit of deception is eating, eating up the world. 
Well, it is. And as you were telling me about that pastor that approached you, I mean, that's incredible, the money that rolls into these churches. And I think, what are they doing with the resources? I mean, there's so many people that are struggling out there. And yet, well, what did uh, Jesus say in Matthew twenty-one thirteen? And he said unto them, it is written, my house shall be called the house of prayer, but you've made it into a den of thieves. What is the difference between the money changers back in God's house then than what they're doing in these churches now? <laughs> Boy, you hit it on the nose. There was, there's a pastor, I won't name his name, in, in Los Angeles uh, years ago, and he had three Rolls Royces. What I heard, he says, I deserve them. Well, we don't deserve anything. We don't no, deserve no. salvation. We don't, all, we're all saved by grace through faith, Ephesians 2.8. And you can only drive one car at a time. It's just amazing how you said how the big mega churches are the ones that should be really ministering to people because when someone's hung up with anxiety, their peace is gone. They get headaches, high blood pressure, irritable bowel syndrome, digestive system problem, nervous system problem. It's a fiery dart to the devil. Philippians 4, 6, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, make your request known to God. After anxiety, here comes worry. Worry short circuits God's promises. Then they fret. Psalm 37, 8, cease from fretting, it causes harm. And here comes the two cousins, affliction and adversity. Oh, woe is me. No, 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 no. Don't woe is me. What what does the word say? Always take them to the word. That's why when I counsel, I'll back everything up with verse and scripture to get people coming into the word. And I'll tell you, I got these, these inmates. We've had revivals in January 13th of 2013. January 2013, there's 92 to 97% have prayed every prison I went to, prayed the salvation prayer, the sinner's prayer around the country. They're writing me, send me more arsenal prayers. They're having Bible studies. You know, the testimony of the month, you could look in my my website, melnovak.com. Look at the testimonies. This guy was a gangbanger with a street name, Snake. He was news and it was all bad. Yet, he came to Christ. This guy has so much peace. He prays in tongues. I mean, it's amazing. This is what God does. This is what God's good at. And just let God, let him have everything and watch what he'll do. Well, and again, the Bloods and Crips are no match for Jesus, are they? Because when people really walk in that power and authority, I mean, we know the days are getting darker. We're spiraling into the end times, perilous times, the Bible calls them. And it's clear what's happening today. But our Lord God will prevail. Psalm 91, we like to quote it a lot, Mel, but do we really believe it? We'd rather talk about Ebola and ISIS and the new, a new H1N1 virus, but the Lord will fight our battles. The scriptures tells us Just in case people, well, I have my AR-15. Well, do you really believe the word of God? Do you have weapons of warfare? That's Forget your AR-15 and your gold and your guns and everything else. The bottom line is that we need to be putting our trust in Christ. That's the whole key. Psalm 91, verse 2, I will say to the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress by God, in Him I will trust. Nahum 1-7, I gave this to a lady at church today. It's just amazing. It says, God is good, a stronghold in a day of trouble. And he knows those who trust him. Psalm 11, 1, the Lord, I put my trust. There's so many about trust. And the key is, are you trusting him? But every time I got hit with a calamity, I'd run to Psalm 57, 1. Have mercy on me, O Lord. Have mercy on me. For my soul, trust in you. In a shadow of your wings, I will make my refuge until these calamities pass me by. We don't know when. When is it going to go? 
but I'm believing and trusting he's going to deliver me like he did. This is why all these years I praise the Lord, even for when I was a little little boy, they were going to amputate my leg. I was going to die. My mother wouldn't let him do it. She prayed in faith. I still got my leg. And I praise the Lord for that. I had 10 throat surgeries in 10 years. The, the, the fact that I could talk. That's why I might play villains in movies. You never, ever heard me use God's name in vain. I don't do it in real life, and I wouldn't do it for a picture. I've lost roles with things I wouldn't do. I wouldn't do nudity. And they want to do that. I just go to God and tell them, Psalm 105, 15, 1 Chronicles 16, 22, you said, do not touch my anointed one. Do not bring hard my problem. Lord, they brought me harm. They they fired me before because I was standing on your word, and I forgive them, and I give it to you. That's what you do, but people need to step up now. I don't know how much you're praying out there. I ask you, increase it. How much time you're spending in the word, increase that time. Pray that arsenal prayer. Every day, take you 18 minutes. You know, even they tell me in the prisons and the Bible studies, oh, I'm busy. I say, don't tell me you don't have time. Fear is strictly prohibited, really. In fact, fear not and be not afraid, Mel, appears in the Bible 180 times. He yeah. tells us how this is done. First Peter 3.15, we are supposed to put our faith and trust in God. Psalm 56.3, it is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. Psalm 118.8. So really, it's either faith or fear, Isaiah 26.3 says. Right? Yeah, and fear and faith can't live in a same heart. Fear short-circuits faith and fear paralyzes. And it is the most powerful tool the devil has. And I remember in uh, Philippians 4, 7, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. There were times I was dying, but I, I was overwhelmed with peace because of the Prince of Peace. There's no peace in the world aside from him. I don't care what you're doing out there, what you have, and there'll be no U-Haul truck behind anybody's hearse. In First Timothy 6, 7, we came into this world without ending. New King James says, certainly we'll take nothing out. The only thing you and I are going to take into eternity, Sheila, the word of God and those that we let to the Lord. That's my passion, to win souls, to win souls. Well, and, and think I'll, of this, folks. When are you supposed to praise God when it's going swell? When it's just everything's going tickety-boo? No, you praise shall continually be in your mouth. And, oh, magnify the Lord, the scripture says, not magnify the problem. Magnify yeah. the Lord, not your debt, not your marriage problem, not your sickness. Anytime you start talking about the problem, you are magnifying. Oh, but it's cancer. It's incurable. But you say, Brother Mel and Sheila, you just don't understand my situation. It's bad. Oh, but my marriage. How about, oh, but the restorer. Oh, but the sin. How about, oh, but the blood. Oh, but the sickness, you just don't get it, Sheila. Yeah, but the healer. Somebody else bought and paid for your sin, your righteousness, your healing, your deliverance. But you will never receive it if you are in fear, will you, Mel? No, you won't. You won't, and you can't blame God. Uh, like Isaiah 41.10, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. This is God speaking to us. And if I'm... Having fear, I'm not having faith. It just, it just can't work. It doesn't, doesn't mix. And this is crucial for everybody. You know, not just you and me, for everybody. It is an absolutely crucial thing for us. Lord, I'm just going to trust you. How many times I said either I was dying or just going through things. Lord, I'm just going to trust you. I don't know when, I don't know how, but I'm believing you're going to, you're going to do this because of what you do. 
the Lord Jesus Christ understands anybody out there going through it. And he was betrayed. He was uh, Judas. and He was denied by Peter. He was deserted by the disciples. And he was doubted by Thomas, rejected by his people. He understands pain, physical, psychological, emotional. He's with you. He will never bail out on you. People do that. Jesus Christ went through more than anyone in the history of man ever before he came on or after the cross. And he went through everything that we ever went through and more. And I don't know anybody in this world, and I know a lot of people who ever sweat where it became drops of blood except him. I should have died six times. I never sweat blood. But see, he did all this because he loves us with an everlasting love, Jeremiah 31.3. Sheila, would be okay to do an altar call? Absolutely. So I gave you the scriptures before. Nobody's turned away from the cross. God's forgiveness is bigger than our our sin. And he doesn't want one to perish. And the devil's whispering to you, God doesn't want you. Well, the devil's a liar, John 8.44. Today is the day of salvation, Second Corinthians 6.2. Now is the appointed time. And Sheila and I are to reap the harvest. Revelation 14, 15 says, Thrust your sickle and reap, for the time has come for you to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. That's all you out there listening. That was an angel crying out in a loud voice to, to, to the Lord, so the Son of Man having his on his head a golden crown in his hand a sharp sickle. So if you want to receive Jesus in your heart as Lord and Savior or rededicate, Remember, as First John 1, 9, and everything that you would confess and repent to is washed clean by the blood of Jesus. And God doesn't bring it up again. Don't let the devil bring it up again. But you've got to confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart. God raised him from the dead. You'll be saved. Romans 10, 9 and 10. And it's God's will that we all do this. So any of you, wherever you are, I don't know where you are, but he knows and he hears Everything. He hears the prayers of the righteous. So repeat this prayer wherever you are. And your name's written in the book of life. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. You said in your word, if I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead, I would be saved. I'm doing that now. So I know I am saved now. Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God, that you died for my sins. And three days later, resurrected. Lord Jesus, I ask forgiveness of my sins. And I repent of my sins. And I thank you and praise you. That I have eternal life here and now. Not just when I die. For your acceptance of me. Just as I am. Where I am. That my name is written. In the book of life. Amen and glory. Hallelujah. Amen, Mel. That was very, very powerful. Folks, today, I want to just encourage you that if you just said that prayer of salvation, I want to hear from you. So please do send us an email. My information is linked there at weekendvigilante.com. Get Mel Novak's information. Go to his website and get his arsenal prayer. Folks, get on there. There's some excellent resources, powerful testimonies. Mel, I want to thank you so much for coming on the program today. My pleasure. I love being on a program with you. And what, what, what greater thing can we do is to encourage people with the Word of God and the cross of Calvary. 
Amen. Because I'll tell you what, the good news of the eternal agape love of our God is because he himself takes responsibility in the everlasting blood covenant on our behalf as it was with Abraham 4,000 years ago. So it will be with the saints. It was God himself as Abraham's covenant partner who walked down the aisle between those pieces to cut the covenant. And he takes us through it even as we rest in him and although we're in some perilous times i mean the battle of armageddon will be climactic mel but Mm -hmm. every one of his sheep will be found in that final day of the lord ezekiel 34 and the god of jacob will gather out his ecclesia his chosen people god's not absent folks he means business and i encourage you today if you are backslidden if you are not where you need to be with god get on your knees repent Ask God to take your life and do something with it. Time is short, folks. Ask yourself, what are you doing for the Lord today? And the lesson in all of this, Mel, is in the end time here, our God is not absent. He will attend to his covenant business with diligence. He will deliver his beloved covenant people. And that, my friends, is the final scene of the end time drama. So don't waste it, folks. I just got to say this on a final note, Mel. I saw this video the other day, and a guy said... All you get in life is a dash on your tombstone. You know, say you're born in 1970, dash to whenever. What are you going to do with your dash? And I thought, isn't that incredible? Yes, it is. Romans 14, 10, and 12. Every every Christian who received Jesus in their heart is Lord and Savior. Going to have to give an account of their life after they receive Jesus. At least we won't have to stand at the great white throne judgment in Revelation 20, 11 through 15. You can bet there's going to be some questions. How was your prayer time? How would you handle adversity? Was your faith strong? Did you witness? Were you critical? Did you forgive? Those are good questions, and a lot of people are going to have to answer them. Think about that, folks. How will you answer when you stand before the throne of God? And we are commissioned. The Great Commission says we are to preach the gospel, heal the sick, cast out devils. I mean, really, ask yourself, are you doing that? Everybody's called. Everybody's called to serve. We need to be giving resources to people that are doing these powerful ministries. I mean, you might not be preaching at Skid Row today, folks, but kingdom giving is a powerful kingdom principle, and we need to be sowing into these incredible ministries that really do minister to the the lost, the brokenhearted, the afflicted. And so today I encourage you to do that. MelNovak.com. Go there, donate, folks. Blessings in the new movie. I know you're in a movie. And and when can we uh, expect that to come out, Mel? Well, Samurai Cop is going to be, uh, we still got one more, I think one or two days pickup. They're in editing right now, but that's going to be in, in different cities. And of course, uh, Runaway Killer, we're not even close to finishing. And the beauty is I'm, we're working around my schedule, ministry schedule. I don't get killed in uh, Runaway Cop. I did get <laughs> killed in Samurai. I've died. 20 times in the movies. (laughs) (laughs) Thank God it's just the movies. And Mel, again, thank you so much. Come back and see us soon. Oh, anytime you want. All you could do is call. Folks, Mel Novak's information is linked there at weekendvigilante.com. Do get his arsenal prayer. It is also linked there on my website. And don't forget, we did have a fast and prayer for Dr. Kent Hovind. And don't forget, tomorrow, March 12th, the jury verdict is in All the information is linked there at weekendvigilante.com. And it's going to be very interesting to see the sovereign hand of God move in this situation. Very exciting. Regardless of what happens, we need to rally. God gets the glory. 
And let's uh, let's make some noise for our Christian brother. I think that is just tremendously important right now. And folks, I have a very special guest on Friday, Ted Flynn. He's one of my favorite authors. He's a speaker. And I'm telling you what, incredible guest. So make sure you bookmark Friday. And thanks again for tuning in, everyone. Good night and God bless. The Sheila Zielinski Show is sponsored by SteveQuayle.com, offering a wide variety of products, links, headlines, and information for the end times. Order Steve's new book, Little Creatures, by visiting stevequail.com. Dare to discover, learn, prepare, and be amazed.